I was watching the loss in Portland and I was thinking, Dave, of hold the high line. And I was thinking of the mug that I believe they sent to both of us. I don't know if you still have your mug. I still have my mug. I still often drink out of it. And it just says, hello, darkness, my old friend. And has an image of the Rapids on their bench, like six guys in a row, head in hands. And that's what it felt like. These guys do a podcast covering the Colorado Rapids, which is like the most thankless thing in sport. And I'm sure they do it out of dedication and love of the game and love of their hometown club. I doubt any of them are getting rich off of it. And they reach out to a big media star like Andrew Wiebe. Oh. And he can't even get the name of the podcast right. Hold the highlight, not the name? This man... It's not hold the high line, it's holding the high line. And maybe if you weren't so busy moisturizing your ankles, you would give a little bit of shine to the men and women who provide granular coverage of great MLS teams like the Colorado Rapids. Weeby, you apologize to the people of holding the high line and to Rapids (laughs) fandom in general right now. You do it. Blanket apology to holding the high line. I love you all, and I'm so sorry. I also eat ice cream out of that mug. I just felt like it was a little bit of a kick in the balls, to be honest. It came a lot sooner than I thought that I would be the oldest player on the team. That's all you got, brother. That's all you got. The word of the day would have been hyperrealism. We're bad at soccer, but we're good on a bagel. Holding the high line with Rabbi and Red. Talking the rabbits and turning heads. Questions from you and analysis in your car, in your home. Thank you for tuning to Holding the Highline. Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. This is Holding the Highline with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard, and it is Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. The Rapids lost on Saturday in Portland, and it was bad. It looked way too much like last year, and even Andrew Wiebe was making Hello Darkness, My Old Friend jokes, and that's in spite of the fact that he can't get our name right. Andrew, we love you, and we accept your apology uh, from Extra Time Radio. There was a lot of optimism around the club going into the season opener, and it evaporated by the time Sam Vine scored that own goal. The night is darkest just before it goes black forever. Joining me now to discuss whether the pain and suffering will ever end, Rabbi Mark Goodman. Great to see you, Matt. Before we started the podcast, me and Matt did a quick rundown of uh, ski resorts in the Tahoe area that we have and have not skied. Uh, and uh, generally griped about the overall cost of one of our favorite side sports. Matt is engaged in both the most expensive sport in America and the least expensive sport in America, and they're basically the same. In one, you climb up a mountain, and it costs you basically the price of two granola bars, and in the other one, you ski down that mountain, and for the cost of the gas, the lift ticket, um, and if you're going to fly to the resort... Um, you could probably put a small group of underprivileged children through your local community college. So, um, you know, it's it's a kind of an amazing thing, Matt. Like that's that's why soccer is great, because, you know, for the price of an MLS ticket, you can you can really get a, a good bargain, except also for the price of an MLS ticket, you will do unbearable amounts of emotional damage to yourself. And it may require years and years of therapy. Uh, for me to recover from my time covering the Colorado Rapids, both as a fan 
and as a commentator. Mark, isn't the point before of this... we get to that, yeah, is, is the point of this podcast to be like collective group therapy? Because all of our our collective like groupthink PTSD from the 2023 season opener was out in force after those two Anthony goals on Saturday. But yes, Mark. So, That's to, true. so, so to your point, there is the, the only thing that I think costs less than $50 at Vale Ski Resort at this point is probably like a singular bottle of water or one of the aforementioned granola bars you mentioned. And the only thing over the cost of like $50 that I've ever spent for hiking that wasn't gas or like massive consumables of granola bars and PB&J was probably my hiking poles, maybe one of my backpacks, and then like my trail runners. Invest in, just like in soccer, Mark, invest in a good pair of footwear that fits for specifically sure. for you, and that will last you, that will pay you back in spades. Take care of your gear, it'll take care of you on right. the soccer pitch, on the trailhead, and I would say about boots and skis as well, um, especially on that double black diamond when you need to call ski patrol because you went down the wrong way on the China bull lift and have a panic attack and are stuck on a cliff. Okay, Um Mark, uh, we've got a we've got a banter topic that we're going to use to delay discussing the inevitability and the sadness, and that is <laughs> from the Sports Business Journal. Uh, reporter Alex Silverman had a really good article before the start of the main weekend of MLS last year, last week, excuse me, uh, interviewing Don Garber and talking about the popularity of Inter Miami and how MLS has effectively become uh messy league soccer and how he's kind of consumed everything in the media space um and Don Garber had a now cringe quote to where he's been like a lot of things Don Garber says that reflect a a oversimplification of the situation and really a lack of understanding of the granular stuff going on in the league that he is the commissioner for uh he got dragged on social media and the actual quote is quote it's easy and somewhat lazy for reporters to just write about messy it's like writing about taylor swift garber said there's so wow. much more here that i think people need to recognize and he goes on talking about other stuff going on with the league you've got the galaxy and lafc um, a bunch of other teams. Where are the people, he asks, you know, that are covering all these stories? Uh, so here's the other quote, Mark. Uh, quote, Messi helped take this league to new heights and gave us a momentum on a trajectory that was established in the years leading up to building a league that Messi wanted to be a part of. And then there's a full article as well behind the paywall. But paywall. So, Mark, um, first of all, uh, to your point um, about... Uh, there's an incredible amount of hypocrisy going on here because if you go on Apple TV and MLS season pass, it is messy everywhere. And mm -hmm. there's less evergreen content that is out there from some other clubs. Um, and the and that is also juxtaposed with the fact that there's a few other limitations going on with Apple TV this year, Mark. I saw that T-Mobile didn't have an option for that as well. The ways that people are getting Apple TV free are less frequent. I was having issues because I was under the impression that you could have multiple people sharing the password, as we were told 13 months ago now. And the um, and my dad was having issues with it for both the Wednesday inner Miami game. And then he wanted to watch galaxy versus Messi, galaxy versus Miami on Sunday as well. And having issues. I haven't found anything that's officially on that, but there's a possibility that me having MLS season pass, I can't share that with other people for them to log in on other devices. That is not a device logged in officially connected with my Apple ID. So there's a juxtaposition of 
the of MLS, I think, absolutely trying to capitalize on everything going around with Messi from a financial standpoint, in general, trying to squeeze as much money and profitability out of certain things at the expense of the accessibility and the price point, given the demographics that they're working with. You look at season pass still being $100. There's plenty of other streaming services, soccer, sports related or otherwise that are less expensive than that. And you look at now jerseys are $160, $200 if you want the authentic version. And so I think it's incredibly. So first of all, there's a hypocrisy going on there, Mark, because there was uh, a bunch of people were using the uh, the hot dog car crash scene from that one comedian. I don't remember where like the guy's wearing the hot dog suit and he says, we're yeah. all trying to find the guy who did this, who crashed the hot dog car into the into this building. And so so there's that bit of the hypocrisy. And then I just I wonder how much does Don Garber understand what's going on with us, Mark, and the fact that like we're not all getting the salary that supposedly Grant Wall was getting when he was at SI or that the major beat writers for the major national newspapers have been writing for? So Kevin Baxter, say, at the L.A. Times, Stephen Goff at The Washington Post as well. Like, does Don Garber know, Mark, to the point of the, uh, you know, of the of Matt Doyle from Extra Time Radio, which I clipped and included right before the intro of the show of like, we're not making any money on this, folks. And the little bit of money <laughs> that we are making, we are throwing into merch. After that, we make just <laughs> enough to account for our hosting fees, some equipment, yeah. other stuff as well. On a per hourly basis, folks, like the I'm spending triple in gas what Mark and I are netting on this for covering the Colorado Rapids. So does Don Garber not understand, Mark, that for these outlets to be successful, you either need a lot of ad revenue, which is a function of clicks, and the fact is people Google Messi more than they Google anything else in MLS, including Major League Soccer, or does he not understand that it comes from subscriptions? And so we are just following the a bunch of journalists are just following the path of least resistance in order to keep working in soccer and making the money that they can and this underlies a deeper issue of the fact that of the fact that nobody googles and looks at the Colorado Rapids there are like the you know when you were at the Denver Postmark like even some of your best work that you pushed really hard that we pushed really hard on holding the high line that we tried to get as in front of as many people as possible was at its best doing about the same as the average Colorado Rockies gamer report when they lose to the San Francisco Giants 7 to 3 on a random Tuesday night yeah i wasn't doing that well but thank you i'll, I'll tell the story i for those who are new to the podcast, the old timers probably heard this. There was a time a couple years ago when I um, I uh, noticed that I was in the print edition of the Denver Post, and I was really excited. And I wrote to my editor. I said, hey, I'm in the print edition. He said, yeah, you were in the print edition four days ago, too. And I was like, you didn't tell me. I was like, oh, I, I'll tell you from now on. So I it was I was on page, you know, like C8, the last the second to last page of the Denver Post sports section that week. And then the next week, I, you know, I went to right after my article came out and I went to the same section and the fishing report was there. Right. And the fishing report is, of course, what lakes in Colorado have pulled how many bass, how many carp and how many steelhead out, which doesn't interest me, but apparently interests many, many Coloradans. And I respect that and I understand that. And I made a crack on Twitter and I um, and I, you know, tagged the Denver Post about like, you know, I kind of get it that my writing isn't nearly as popular as the fishing uh, um, report. And the editor of the Denver Post replied to me on Twitter publicly by saying, hey, we got a lot of complaints when we posted your soccer article over the fishing report. 
So, and she was, it was a good line and it was funny and I appreciated it. And I didn't last very long at the Denver Post. Um, and that's because having the neat, neat, nerdy deep dive into soccer um, is, a, is a niche of a niche, right? MLS, like American soccer fans are a niche group. MLS soccer fans within the American soccer fans are a niche group. Colorado Rapids soccer fans are a niche of a niche of a niche. And then on top of that, the kind of high octane nerdery that me and Matt are really good at is, you know, a subreddit of a subreddit. Like we are way down the food chain and we are fine with that. Anyways, back to the real original point that you made, Matt. I didn't really mind what you uh, quoted from Don Garber. Um, it wasn't on it wasn't perfect. It wasn't on message. Um, and I don't think Garber quite hit it right from either a PR perspective or a magnanimity, you know, generosity to all of us hustlers out here trying to, you know, put some shine on his product for next to nothing. Um, I am totally fine with this being uh, MLS messy league of soccer, right? Like it is totally fine that this year and last year, Messi drives all the clicks and Messi drives all the energy. I think the gambit, the idea of the league is and has was the same um, under David Beckham. It was the same when the league came out and signed Jorge Campos and Valderrama and all the big names that they went out and got from the 94 World Cup when the league kicked off, which is we are going to do whatever it takes to get eyeballs on the league, because once you see not only Marcelo Balboa and Carlos Valderrama, but all the other fun things going on in Major League Soccer. Once you once you see Messi playing against Cucho Hernandez, once you see Hani Mukhtar, once you see Tiago Almada, once you see, you know, um, even Jordi Mihailovic and Cole Bassett running a one-two with uh, Sam Vines, you know, running in the half spaces, you will want to watch this league. It is a good league. It is a fun league. It is in your time zone. Uh, it speaks your language. You could go to the games, you know, um, all of that is is the reason why promoting Messi makes sense, because you can promote Major League Soccer by promoting Messi. I, I think the biggest challenge to global soccer at this point is there's too much good, was one, there's too much good stuff. And two, the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, which means there's a time in my day when there's no soccer on because there's no countries in the middle of all that water. What I'm saying, Matt, is we need to more floating pitches in the middle of the world. That's 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 my solution to to what Don Garber had to say. That makes no sense. But, you know, I get my turn on the space laser next week. So whatever. Mark, if I ever become a multi-billionaire and want to do something <laughs> stupid related that is not turning people into dinosaurs or trying to beat other billionaires in the space race, I promise you I will turn the volcanic island in the middle of the Atlantic that Napoleon was banished to, I will turn that country, that island into a super league, into like a Saudi Arabia footballing situation so that you have something to watch in the break between all of the European night games and the first MLS games. Although, nice. Mark, I've I've enjoyed the I've enjoyed the scatter, the staggered kickoffs that we've had to where I actually get some MLS before 530 Mountain Time as well. Yes. That was certainly nice for the opening weekend and the few Thank the God Sunday for games. Fox Sports for demanding that two o'clock or four o'clock start. And for those of you in Colorado, it's, I guess, like a noon or a two. That's a good that's that's good stuff. I don't think it's going to continue, though. I have a bad feeling that we're going to we're going to be synced all up to the 
to the four, the five, the six, and the seven o'clock starts. Or for you in Colorado, it's a five, six, seven, and an eight, or five thirty, six thirty, seven thirty, and eight thirty start times. Um, I think very soon. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so just to to round it off, Mark, I think it showed a lack of. I, I would love to hear a comment from Don Garber showing that he fully understands that like we make no money and print journalism is dying <laughs> and this is how digital journalism is. And if you don't like that, then there's plenty of other things that you could do to change your league that other fans think would be good for the health of the league that would secondarily benefit the journalism around the league as well. And so so that's one point that I would make to him on that. Uh, DMs are open if he wants to understand what it is like to cover some cover a team that does not get a whole lot of clicks and what that looks like from a financial standpoint. And if he has a bunch of billion ideas to make it to where the call to where people Google the Colorado Rapids one out of every 10 times that someone Googles Messi, then I'm all ears. I think the fact that Messi has taken over from a media standpoint and has consumed all the oxygen in the room speaks to how much bigger speaks to how much Messi has raised the level, which speaks to where it was prior and what it is particularly without him. And so the fact that, you know, if we're believing a separate sports business journal article reporting that uh, before Messi was officially coming to Inter Miami uh, globally, MLS season pass was below 1 million subscriptions and it passed 2 million before the end of the calendar year upon Messi signing and then Lee's cup. And then obviously the playoffs as well, like that speaks to there's underlying metrics that shows you are not as big of a league. You are not as popular that as the, as what, as your public statements have said. And so in that regard, Mark, well, I don't particularly care for him in terms of some of his other takes. Max Kellerman is a commentator for ESPN. He was with ESPN LA forever. Now he's on, I think first take, I don't pay attention to the shouty opinion shows where everybody's just a, a fanboy for the team that they grew up Cause, watching. Cause we are for. one of those shouty opinion shows. Okay, we don't, you know, neither of us is Skip Bayless, Mark. We are miles off from him and Stephen A. Smith for that matter. But so um, Max Kellerman has one of his quotes that he used to wind up hockey fans when they came to him about the basketball schedule or what have you. And he said there's 20,000 hockey fans in every hockey, in every NHL market. They all have season tickets. And so I think that is closer to, in, in the macro in general, that is closer to where MLS is than saying that like it is catching up to or it's becoming wider because of how much of a bump Messi provided that showed that your initial underlying numbers were not that good. If globally you didn't have a million people subscribe to your product, you're not as popular as you think you are. And those financial mechanisms you have to then monetize that are not as such. Maybe lowering the price point of MLS season pass would make people more interested and make it more accessible. But what do I know? Listeners, this past Saturday, the Colorado Rapids played Portland Timbers. It was bad on a bagel. Eric Williamson scored um, on an open break with a ball in the box as the team, as the Rapids defense was shifted too far to one side and nobody was picking up Eric Williamson making those making that run. And then Anthony got a brace scoring first in the 14th and then the 29th minute. Absolute worldy for me on that second goal off of a turnover at midfield and then some great transition play and then just bent it perfectly to where Keegan Rosenberry couldn't get to it, nor could Zach Steffen. And on the second goal off of a throw in, nobody really presses the ball and then kind of unsurprisingly the ball comes into the box. Moist Bombito maybe isn't close enough from an angle standpoint to cut down the cross coming from the near side. And Keegan Rosenberry does not get ball side from Anthony and Anthony scores on the header. So that made it 
three nil, uh, 30 minutes in. And then Sam Vines with an own goal in the fifth minute of stoppage time on another counterattack. Anthony putting a ball in the box. Sam Vines checked behind his shoulder and saw that there was a runner, but maybe didn't have a full understanding of the, of the spacing and how much time he really did have. And he could have easily just tapped it off to, um, Zach Steffen, Colorado comes back. They were better in the second half. Uh, some substitutions that I liked personally, Mark. Uh, you had Jackson Travis making his debut off the bench for Sam Vines, who's, of course, coming back from that illness, the flu that he had to end preseason. And you also had Oliver Oliver Laraz making his first start ever in MLS play. And Calvin Harris, who got the start over Jonathan Lewis and Omir Fernandez, scored in the 55th minute with a knockdown header mark on a corner. Uh, and that was the final score. Bit of a question for Timbers Army, Mark, on whether or not there was maybe a foul in the buildup on that from Moist Bombito. I don't think it was enough for them to go to VAR. But while the scoreline was four to one um, and that didn't reflect the XG, I think that reflected issues that the Rapids had in their game. And Scabby the ref was not a significant variable in this matter. Mark, normally we do good thing, bad thing, big thing on this one. And as I alluded to on, you know, in a tweet from HTHL a few weeks ago, we were fully preparing for the PTSD of this result. But I feel like we should start with bad thing because there's way more bad than good. I will give the floor to you, good sir. Thanks. Um, so I've listened to all the other podcasts, uh, Total Soccer Show and um, also Extra Time Radio, as Matt mentioned in the rundown at the beginning to just kind of get what their reactions were. And um, we're all pretty much on the same page. I think one of the major challenges, the the, the biggest bad thing I put in Backpass today, if you uh, subscribe to our Substack, you uh, might have got a chance to read that. So I encourage you to, to get my full comments there. Um, you know, there's not a lot of faith in Chris Armas coming in because he doesn't have a track record of success. And um, he definitely stamped his identity on the team here. Uh, which is that the team, especially in the first 30 minutes, was in a high press, and it did not work. Uh, the especially on the third goal, which I uh, broke down in minutia on the Substack, um, they uh, really didn't cover well. They didn't press well. Matt Doyle had the point on extra time that the team doesn't look like they know how to go at the same time. That what are so-called pressing triggers haven't been figured out. He's been talking a lot about kind of pressing triggers uh, all off season. So I think Matt to, to be, I'm not giving Matt a hard time, but to be fair, um, I think it, it, what the Rapids did fit into the narrative that he's been pushing for the last month. There were bigger problems, I think, than just the pressing triggers. Um, there were defensive problems. Um, there were, as I noted on the, um, I think on the second goal, uh, Moise Bombito lost his man on the first goal. Calvin Harris didn't check his shoulder. I forget. I might be mixing those up, but I don't think, um, you know, and, and just those basic defensive breakdowns. There was also like a lot of weirdness where like it felt like the two defensive midfielders were too close to each other and weren't covering enough ground. It just generally felt like there was a lot of overloading and not a lot of spreading out for the defense. Um, and that meant that they needed to kind of play more of a man-to-man situation and they needed to be reactive, and they weren't. And I, I just didn't think that the the setup defensively was very good. Um, you know, that second goal came in off a throw-in, and you really need to be better defending off a throw-in. Like, all the passes for Portland in all three of the first three goals were just too easy. Like, there just wasn't, you know, there wasn't someone tight to their man who was receiving and passing. 
there wasn't someone stepping into the lane to make that pass very difficult. Um, you know, that, that all of that was, I think the worst thing about it for those of us who are long-term followers of the Colorado Rapids is it looked the same as last year. It looked as bad as last year. It looked as bad as the team when they were completely rudderless in the second, you know, half of the season last year. Like, and that was, I think the really shocking thing. So last thing I'll say is this, um, there were signs for me tactically, the fact that there are, there is a tactical identity, even if they didn't do it quite right. There, there were moments of brightness um, that, that I'll, we'll talk about when we get to good thing um, that, that, you know, from my intellectual cortex of my brain processed and said like, well, there's some good things to take from this, but emotionally as a person who loves this team and follows them very closely, I was crushed. I mean, I kind of walked into this game like, you know, hoping to see something. And I, I was fine. You know, we talked, we we forecast the game last week. I was fine with a 1-1 draw. I was fine with the team, you know, being a little bit pragmatic and mediocre and just kind of getting out with a point. And they didn't do that. And so I was really, you know, heart, uh, you know, stabbed. That's not a word. Something like that. I, I, I felt stabbed in the heart a little bit because the result was just the same as it was last year against a similar Cascadia opponent. Matt, your thoughts. Yeah. So to your point, Mark, like this was like, this was the, it was the worst result. And from a performance and how the, how the game manifested, it was about as bad as you could get in terms of, it was so eerily similar to the season opener last year against Seattle Sounders. And it was so eerily similar to all of the problems that the club had under 2023 that, all those new players in Chris Armis were specifically brought in to address. Like the, the, the this game was effectively Robin Frazier and Alex Gersback might as well have been there for the Rapids right now, Mark, because I I, I cannot imagine that Gersback could have done any worse than Sam Vines did <laughs> on that particular own goal. But so you kind of we've broken down kind of what happened in some of those games, Mark. No, so I'm, no Gersback would have aimed at the goal and missed. But I'm bumped. Sorry. Okay, so um, so I'm gonna bring back the Lal Sabubakar blame pie. A this is a like a season two reference here, <laughs> and so I'm I'm gonna assign blame mark for each of the four goals in terms of who I think is most responsible. What's problematic there? So the first one. I think it's firstly on Connor Ronan because he is the one who shifts over to the other side when Oliver Laraz was already on the Rapids left ball's right side and didn't particularly deal with that. And if he stays in his position, he sees the ball come across. He gets to it first, or at the very least, he gets in front of Eric Williamson and gives him something to have to think about that isn't don't shoot right at Zach Steffen. Uh, spoiler alert, On there's only one of these goals that I actually have Zach Steffen on the blame pie also on the blame pie but less so for the first goal i have sam vines who's a little bit upfield and a little bit inside that then makes the space for the runner to then provide the assist to williamson and i think andreas maxo doesn't get to it necessarily as well he doesn't have uh, inside position and the angle of approach would have been a little bit better that's a favored buzzword of um of chris little second goal mark i actually think even though everybody's kind of dunking on keegan rosenberry and i think when your captain doesn't play well, and he's 1v1 on two goals, albeit the two spectacular ones from the night. He doesn't look great, but we saw this last year, Rabbi, where he was kind of the, he was the one who was, the, he was the last man in the way to where the the replay makes it look like his fault, but there's a bunch of breakdowns going around simultaneously that lead him to being 1v1 in these situations. Like, you should not, what it, what is your right back doing 
left of the penalty spot trying to defend a header against Anthony in that situation. If that is the situation your right back is in, somebody else done messed up. And yep. for me, that person <clears throat> is Moise Bombito, who, yep. <clears throat> who does not stay centrally, doesn't stay close from a marking standpoint, or at the very least doesn't do anything. The angle of where he is at and then the assister, whose name I don't have in front of me, um, is like he doesn't do anything to provide to like to challenge the angle of approach of the actual pass itself. So Bombito is the first for I think it's Christian Paredes. Paredes, that sounds right. And then I'll I'll put the midfield down in general, Mark. Just the fact that you know it's a relatively harmless throw-in that Portland's starting out with. That I think, ironically, former Rapid and son of Susan Eric Miller actually had on that one or no Eric Miller would have been on the other side of the pitch excuse me but so the the midfield doesn't press to the ball and that was kind of the theme of the night mark so the the general macro trend that I similarly am concerned about or I want to see massive improvement on between now and I'll give them like two games maybe is when they're pressing what part of the field they're pressing and what else they're doing because Mm -hmm. yes they ran around a lot for those first 20 minutes before the game state completely changed as well but like they weren't making it difficult on Portland anyways Mm -hmm. like the Armis has talked about wanting to use pressure to, even when they don't have the ball, have the game played on their terms. And it looked Mm -hmm. like, for the most part, Portland did what they want. And Mm -hmm. the only time that they were really ever in unison from a movement standpoint and a pressing trigger standpoint, especially the front four, who were chickens with their heads cut off at times, or one of them had their head on and the other three were moving around sporadically was when Portland was building out of the back. And so if, if the only time you're pressing looks good or looks organized is when the opposing center back has the ball and just passes sideways, your pressing is not actually doing anything productive going on. So midfield's at fault. And then I'll, I have to throw Rosenberry on there because the fact yeah. that he doesn't even challenge or at least make it difficult in terms of getting, getting to the ball first before Anthony, he's on fault there. Third one, I've looked back, Mark, the the highlight reel doesn't have a very good, it doesn't show actually who turned the ball over to then have Williamson make that run and everything. So whoever turned the ball over for the Rapids, I have in fault there. But then, you know, Rosenberry again shifted so far to the left and he has to make such a long run in order to get to Anthony. He also makes his run in a way that lets Anthony be onside, even though VAR or the assistant, the sideline referee initially called it offsides as well. Like the... He could have been better positioned. So again, Mark, oh, another on the third goal. Yes, on the third goal. Yeah, so the third goal is a throw-in, and it's such a fast throw-in that even the MLS editor, um, the the Apple TV editors and the and the camera guys um, didn't catch the throw-in. Like that, you 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 pick it up like one pass already into it, and the whole Rapids team is also caught unawares. But I broke that down incredibly in detail in the substack so but okay so yeah. so in any case like the, so you, you scored two goals created off of quick one two passes off of a throw in where you yeah. should have been in possession to deal with that and you should have been immediately pressing the ball so was there did portland do something different that you weren't necessarily expecting do you have a new coach and a bunch of new players who are trying to build fitness who are not necessarily in unison of when they're supposed to press and everything or did you not have any bite in the midfield because ollie the who i thought was decent on the ball in this game mark did not give you any of the bite that in theory jasper lawfelson Lamine Diak, or dare I say his name, Ralph Preso would have brought more than Ollie would have brought, given, Mark, that all four that all three of those goals, those goals that were scored were fundamentally started in possession on the left side. So we can fault 
Connor Ronan for going over to the left to try and help and not getting back in time in that first goal and everything. But in terms of the who's the midfield and double pivot who's supposed to be doing the ground covering pressing kind of things and everything, that's on Ollie. And if the ginger, if if the red from from Rabbi and Red is saying that, then you know that it's objectively <laughs> a fair criticism. And then nice. on the on the final goal, Mark, I don't think there's any question. It's Sam Vine's first at fault. Like he could have taken a touch. He could have been a little bit more aware of that. I'm wondering, given that all the other defenders had their back towards the goal because they were anticipating the cross, is that something to where Zach Steffen should have had a better? Yeah. goalkeeper spidey sense about yeah. where the opponent was to say Sam time or just like play it to me and then I'll hoof it out as well. Something yeah. could have been a little bit better there. Was the game already gone? Were they kind of already shocked that we were playing another minute of of stoppage time? Was there some chance that the Timbers army was saying to where Stefan actually said something, but Vines didn't particularly hear it? Um, my few good things that I have, Mark, uh, Jackson Travis came on, and even though the game was already done, didn't look completely out of place. And that's a concern or thing that I've noticed in the past between guys who've mainly got minutes for Rapids 2 and then gotten minutes from uh, sparingly for the first team of do they come on the pitch and do they immediately look like they're the worst player for the Rapids or the worst player on the team? There were times in the past, there were moments I felt that way about Sebastian Anderson last year, but gradually he grew out of that. I did not feel that in the garbage time minutes that Jackson Travis got. And the fact that Chris Armas even thought this is a guy who would be useful taking up a spot on the bench and useful to come in for Zam Vines, albeit with the game already over at 4-1, I think speaks to maybe the progress that Jackson has made from last year where he was nowhere close to the first team. And it was just play for Rapids 2 and he didn't even look like I've yet to be super impressed, Mark, and felt like he was bossing the game or massively winning his matchup that he had at the left back position compared to some of the other guys who I've seen in Rapids too. I've seen Ollie LaRoz single-handedly take over games in, in MLS next pro. I've seen that from Remy Cabral and from Yosuke Hanya, who obviously aren't with the first team right now. Definitely mm -hmm. saw that from Sebastian Anderson. I saw that from um, Adam Beaudry as well. I've, I've yet to see Jackson Travis have a, Ooh, that was absolutely fantastic. He was the man of the match in those situations. I can say that about every single other homegrown who's already gotten minutes for the first team. But hey, it's progress at this point. On the long list of Rapids players who I'm blaming for this 4-1 loss, Jackson Travis is not on that list. And then nice to see Calvin Harris get a goal as well, Mark, um, on the header. Nice to see a goal from a set piece as well. I thought the Rapids were better in the second half, albeit half, how much of that was Portland deciding to play conservatively. But we saw Calvin Harris come in with a lot of fanfare from the reporting that I, Joseph Samuels, and others made about how the Rapids actually wanted him in his draft year and ended up getting Philip Mayaka and then paid a lot of money relatively to FC Cincinnati in order to acquire him and didn't really start the season off great. He had to work for his minutes and then got a little bit better. And then things kind of came full circle for Harris when he scored one of the goals of the year for the Rapids in that 2-1 win over New England Revolution. And the fact that he's been hot in preseason and he started the year off right makes me feel more confident about the options that Chris Armas is going to have from a winger position, given that that right winger position is going to have to be the one to score goals because of what Jordy's normally doing on the left. Speaking of last bad thing that'll have Mark, Jordy Mihailovic, mostly invisible for me. Totally um, invisible. Completely I invisible. I noticed him like the three times he had the ball in space in the final third to do something. I didn't notice anything in midfield. And then I forgot, Mark, when it, whenever it was that he got that yellow card for dragging the timber Timbers player down, I had to be like, oh yeah, Jordy's still on the field. So um, hopefully that is, that was him knocking off the rust, but for, you know, for the most expensive player on the team, um, he was one of the worst ones on the pitch.
Mark, yeah. do you have any good things? Yeah, I do. I, I, um, there was a, there were a couple moments. There was a moment where, uh, there were, there was a moment where Ollie LaRoz combined with Sam Vines that I really liked. There was a moment where Sam Vines flashed through the middle and, um, got fed the ball and then got pulled down. And that was the play where Cole Bassett wound up, um, taking the free kick. And I think that was at like, uh, 54, something like that. Um, there was another moment where Vines, LaRoz and Bassett were combining and just passing nothing major, just really nice rap kids moments where I thought there's there's talent here. There's these guys. These guys have something this year that they didn't have last year. Uh, and I feel like there's potential on this team. Um, Moise Bombito also hit a couple of nice long diagonals. And when he settled in, he settled in. Um, you know, I think that amongst invisible players, you mentioned Jordi Mihailovic could not agree with you more. Um, Andreas Maxo was a little bit invisible too. He just didn't seem to kind of check, come out and challenge in ways that we needed him to um, at times. Um, but yeah, it was, um, uh, and Rafael Navajo was mostly on an island, didn't have a lot of chance. I think the question with him is going to be about pressing. Um, I think the idea that the Rapids are going to be using is that he's one of the major, he's him and somebody else are going to be pressing up front and either he or the other person are going to wind up shaking the ball loose. And that means that Navajo is going to streak to goal and, you know, get the ball fed to him for the easy tap in. That's what I think the Chris Armas way is supposed to look like. Um, we did not see it. I think the other thing that was really odd about this game um, that is hard to kind of wrap our minds around and eventually uh, we'll talk more about it is, you know, usually a lot of the buildup in a soccer game is everybody's spread out. The whole field's being used, especially under the um, Robin Frazier administration. The whole field's being used. Long diagonals are being hit. Everything's going on. And then Chris Sarmis um, and in all, in all the goals that we saw, and then with most of the exciting plays, even the offensive buildup of the Rapids, everything occurred in a very tight area, and everything kind of happened in like one fifth of the field, or like one, you know, like even sixteenth of the field. That these, that like the overload and the pressing, it was very like that was very surprising. Um, it clearly didn't work this time, so. We kind of want to see the team do more uh, in more of the field and also figure out how to um, play small-sided ball effectively and not get beat by their opponents on the road doing it. So um, those are those are some final thoughts. But there, was, there were bright spots. Um, I think that there's one more bright spot, which is if you look at the expected goals for the game, you know, there were two shots the Rapids had early on that they that were high, high chance uh, creation opportunities. And the first four shots that Portland took, um, basically, well, if you're not counting the block shots, um, like three of them went in and then there was an old goal. I mean, like basically um, Portland put everything in, you know, that, that uh, second goal where Anthony um, was posting up um, Rosenberry um was uh you know was actually a really like difficult shot to get off and he did it um go ahead matt 
Okay, but Mark, like the to, to the point that where some people were saying that this on Twitter that this was dumb luck and everything. Like, Rabbi, if you and I had a dollar for every single time in the last oh. two years the Rapids won the XG battle but then lost, lost the game, the game. Yeah. you know. So and and that's where I can completely understand the Rapids supporter for sure. It's like, oh crap, like the you know, it's just one game, but it happened again. And no, absolutely, was, and. And and the, and the defense is responsible for the fact that the XG was low and the goals are high. Like that's that's not luck. That's like bad defensive positioning. Yeah. Like Anthony has three goals in MLS, and they're all against the Colorado. He scored one goal all of last season, and it was at yeah. home. What are the Rapids not doing well against Anthony that other MLS teams, to where he was not a threat to them at all, to where it, the the why are the Rapids mark? Why were the Rapids the cupcake easy game? Why yeah. were they slump busters FC, especially against a Timbers team who Maxine Cripo wasn't available because of his green card and Evander wasn't there as well. Like the there was there was a time it maybe we're wrong about the Timbers. We both have them not making the playoffs, but maybe we're wrong. And if it turns out they're actually going to be good and that Phil Neville Waza is actually a good coach and is going to good do a good job with the Timbers. The time to get them, the easy time to get them was the first game of the season yeah, where they're no. still figuring everything out yeah. and they had zero DPs on the field and the okay, Raptors so had two DPs and one of them didn't finish his opportunities. The other one didn't affect the defense oh, and the yeah. other one is such a bust that he's an unused sub. All of that is true and I'll say two more things and then we'll move on. Thing one is it works both ways, right? Yes, um, Portland converted chances that statistically are a little low, but the Rapids did not convert chances, right? Period. And that, I mean, they got their one goal, but their expected goals was higher than that. They should have, they should have converted in the first half, at least one or two of those chances. And they didn't. And Cole Bassett missed, missed one and Rafael Navajo missed one. And there's a couple other shots like that, that were good chances that went begging. And at some point you look at the guys who don't put the goal in uh, when they have the opportunity and you as a team have to find other guys who will put the ball in when the ball comes to them. Cause that's the level that we're at. That's thing one thing. Two is exactly what you said. I didn't think we were going to really talk about it, but I'm glad we did, which is Portland looked really good, but that's probably because they were playing the Rapids. Um, if you watched any other games on the weekend and I did um, the um, barn burner Sunday night game of inter Miami versus LA galaxy was a phenomenal game and it was terrifying if you're a western conference fan because you know the last couple of years the rapids have been able to count on going into the la galaxy or bringing la to to car to commerce city and know that they're not really you know they're gonna make big mistakes and they're gonna they're they're right for the plucking and the they're a beatable team they held they made messy look uh, like um, not messy per se, but the very vaunted, star-studded Inter Miami team. They look made him look pretty toothless and mediocre for about eighty minutes. And if the LA Galaxy are gonna be that good, and then the rest of the Western Conference is gonna be at that level, like Seattle and LAFC, I am really nervous about where things are going for the rest of the season for us. So uh, my big thing, which I've kind of already said in a few different ways, Mark, uh, it's just one game, but it happened again. And so we've seen it to where think when things don't start out well for the Rapids, it goes south and it goes south very steeply and very quickly. There's a bunch of new players. There's a new head coach. I want to believe that this team is massively improved from where they were last year. 
they've got a pretty they've got two really tough games in order to prove that. I, I almost care more about the performance on Saturday, Mark, than I will about the result. I do think there's a possibility that these first seven games are really, really rough, but then they figure it out by the point we get in the midseason, which maybe gives you some optimism for 2025. But at that point, they're probably playing catch up for this season, just like they had to in 2019. But so if if you want to prove that last year, that last Saturday was just you knocking off some of the rust or figuring out and iterating on some of the processes, it needs to look like on in, in terms of just the general game film and the feeling around the game, it needs to look way better on Saturday. And so that's something that I'm not putting judgment or any precursors towards, but that's something that I'm very, very curious about. And it could go and there's a, a wide error bar in terms of the possibilities of what that certainly could look like because I want to believe that this team is way better but you know as we mentioned like all of our PTSD like it was about as bad as it could be and so I I look forward to I look forward to the Rapids uh, talking the talk I look forward to the Rapids soccering the soccer given that they've been talking a whole lot of talk and that didn't necessarily show up on the field and it was so many issues that we saw that even with new players and a new formation and a new system so many underlying issues that were you know that goes back to last year under robin frazier on that note mark we want to talk about nashville fc and this saturday's home opener but first tell our listeners how they can best support soccer since we are not lazy here at holding the high line we have one of the most (laughs) thankless jobs in sports as matt doyle said we podcast about the colorado rapids and we'd like to lose less money on it true uh thanks matt We are the voice of fans with a nerdy bent on stats and tactics, but who also need therapy for the psychic trauma of being a Colorado Rapids fan. We'd love to have a little financial support from you to help us keep this pod running. And also, we'll reward the folks that support us with some dope swag of our new logo. We've got swag, great swag. For paid subscribing Highliners, we've got a high-quality athletic shirt. This is a moisture-wicking tee with the amazing new HTHL Crest logo, designed by the amazing Dwayne Brown. You can choose from two options, the Hanes Sport Cool Dry Performance Shirt in black, or the Sport Tech Drift Performance Shirt in gray camo. You'll also get a Holding the Highline sticker to slap onto one of the lift towers at, mm, let's say, Aspen Highlands or Steamboat Springs, or perhaps... Uh, Stowe or Killington if you're out here in the East Coast. Or you can just put it on your wife's Stanley mug. But you gotta subscribe before supplies run out. Additionally, uh, the price officially has gone up. New subscribers will be paying uh, $48 uh, or $5 a month. Uh, $48 for the year or $5 a month. You can also pay $96 and become a founding member Highliner. That's basically just a tip in our jar to say you really appreciate the stuff we do. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, we really appreciate Believe for being our um, sponsoring podcast hosters. Um, and we're grateful to the advertisers who come on the front and the back end of this podcast for helping to generate a little bit of income so that we can pay to go drive out to training and, you know, get uh, uh, our ink pots and our feather quills replaced at a regular basis. But generally, we're grateful for you uh, at whatever level you can subscribe, even if you're uh, a free subscriber and you're listening to this podcast. We're just glad for what you do. But if you want to get the merch, don't forget to subscribe to be a Highliner. Uh, once you get your subscription, there will be an email going out over the Substack, and you will be able to order your shirt. 
and send it to the correct shipping address. Back to you, Matt. Listeners, the Colorado Rapids are currently 14th in the Western Conference. They have zero points off of their one game play because they <laughs> lost. And they are last currently on goal difference with a negative three behind San Jose, Austin, Seattle. And that's it for teams that have a negative one goal difference. Nashville SC listeners paid their season opener or their MLS season opener, I should say, Last Saturday, they were without Sam Sturge and Hani Mukhtar, their two snar DPs up top, and they got a nil-nil draw against New York Red Bulls, kind of a yawny game, and I'm looking here, Mark, in the, I guess we're calling this now the CCC, Mark, because apparently CONCACAF Champions League is now the CONCACAF Champions mm-hmm. Cup. That That's was right. news to me. Um, They played Mocha. I have no idea where they are from. They got a 3 uh, nil win in the first leg and they play tomorrow at time of recording so by the time we get to saturday you'll know whether or not they've advanced in the ccc but so in any case mark nashville didn't really do a whole lot this offseason for me um their defense looks virtually exactly the same uh joe willis is in goal he's a decent shot stopper they have walker zimmerman who is a u.s national team center back and on his at his peak he is a defender of the year candidate uh daniel lovitz is a really good fullback they have their midfield is old and slow. Um, uh, Annabelle Godoy is still there. Dax McCarty has left the organization. He's now with Atlanta United, for those who did not see that going on. And kind of their one big fun attacking acquisition for me, Mark, would have been Tyler Boyd, who I thought looked okay, decent in spurts for the LA Galaxy. But being on a team where it's basically he's supposed to cover down or cover ground on the flank and then just run when they get the ball, he is going to be a nice compliment to Jacob Schaffelberg, the Canadian youth international who's been fun on a bun for Nashville in space in a wide role. And of course they've got Hani Mukhtar who could be, who could win MVP this year for all we know. And Sam Sturridge, depending on whether or not both of them are available. Mark, if like if we thought it was bad that the Rapids went in and played Portland and got their butts kicked when Portland didn't have any of their DPs on the field. If Hani Mukhtar is not available for Nashville on Saturday and Sam Sturridge isn't up there like the this needs to be a win if you're saying that you are going to make the playoffs this is you will never have an easier time trying to get Nashville in that regard we might get a good indication of their availability depending on what happens in CCL but Mark um, is is Saturday going to be the return of Chris Armis or is it going to be once again revenge of Gary Smith. So it's, this was I, I got also to watch about 45 minutes of the Red Bull match against um, Nashville, and you did a good job of explaining it. It was kind of a nothing burger. Like, it wasn't a very exciting game. Um, there were a couple of uh, funny moments for me watching this. I think your your observations were good. Sean Davis had a high boot that went for a yellow card. It was a red card, and um, the uh, non-union ref... Uh, probably called it right as a red, but then overturned it with VAR. Um, and J- Davis got away with one. That's my opinion. I'm sure if you're a Nashville fan and you're listening to this, you're screaming at the radio right now. Um, I was also really surprised. I mean, I, I did a really deep dive into Western Conference teams in preparing for this year. I did not look at the, the moves that Eastern Conference teams made. I was kind of shocked. Shocked, I say to see Teal Bunbury as your starting striker up top as your center forward. Bunbury is 34 years old. He historically has been the kind of guy who used really good speed and dribbling to get himself into the box and take a, a shot. He has not historically been 
a head first or a fox in the box or a sneaky poacher kind of goal scorer. Um, he's developed some of those aspects and some of those skills, but like he's not the guy I would have as my center forward for a team that I thought was going to be an MLS Cup contender, like I think Nashville wants to be. Um, uh, Alex Boyle is fine. Um, I think he's been slightly in decline as a winger. Shaq Moore kind of never really delivered on the promise that he had, although um, Nashville really uses their fullbacks to create width and to cross balls in. So um, they play a fairly straightforward 4-3-3. I think you've pretty much nailed it, Matt. If they don't have Hani Mukhtar on the field, they lack a lot of the dynamism. Um, that being said, it's the Colorado Rapids, and they did not show well the first week. And so um, it will be interesting to see. And I think the other thing is Gary Smith is a really tactically clever um, guy who understands exactly what, especially based on what we saw the first week, exactly what they're going to do. I think the biggest fear that I have all year with the Colorado Rapids is that Chris Armas has set them up to high press and high counter press. And every team will just spend the week before practicing what are referred to in the basketball world. I don't know what they're called in the soccer world, actually, as press breaks. Um, you know, if they do this, then you do this and you hit the long diagonal or you pass sideways or you take a great turn and you go back to the goalkeeper and then you you deliver the long bomb to the left wing. And then they're, you know, at sixes and sevens and in deep trouble, right? Like if you can practice against a expected high press and you can break that press, then you could do what Portland did to us, which is score goals against us while we try and press. So I think that that's the biggest fear is that it won't matter whether they have Hani Mukhtar on the field because um, they've got experienced MLS hands on the field who can probably do the thing. The thing that for me, Mark, is going to be kind of an interesting barometer, you know, they 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 went into Portland knowing that they weren't going to win the possession battle. And the goal was to then use pressing to have Portland turn the ball over and then create offense off of that. I don't think there's any question, Mark, regardless of what Gary Smith saw or didn't see from the film on Saturday, that Nashville is going to come here and Nashville is going to play the way they played every single other one of the hundred MLS games that they've played. They're going to come in. They're going to put men behind the ball. They're going to wait for you to make the mistake. And then they're going to have mm -hmm. their front four guys attack. And the main goal is going to be get it out wide, get it to Hani, and then have Hani cook. So, you know, like the, like Nashville is coming in with they themselves. Their goal is to be very direct. Something that Portland was at times on Saturday and fundamentally they're a team that is comfortable with the ball a team that wants that wants wants the Rapids to have a ball and now we, we haven't seen a whole lot from preseason there's been indications that Armis is working on a few different setups so that they've got a few ways that they can beat teams um counter pressing is one of those um or high pressing uh opponents is one of those but then also being good with the ball as well as something and we didn't see that we haven't there wasn't enough film on preseason for us to see what that looked like and there wasn't, there wasn't any film on preseason. Yes, and yeah and we didn't and there wasn't um and they didn't have enough possession to see what that build out play really looked like once the game had already gone in the second half 
against Portland. So this is going to be the first good barometer. And one of the things that we saw last year, Mark, that was a problem for the Rapids is when they had the ball and the opponent was impressing, they had times, they had hard times using the ball to disorganize the opponent. And when they tried to do something to try and create that, they usually turned it over and then got countered themselves as well. And so this is a, like if Robin Frazier was still the head coach of this team, Mark, and certainly if trigger warning, Anthony Hudson will still there, this would be like the perfect trap game for our best strength plays to your greatest weakness. Come here and then make the uh, make the Greek tragedy mistake so that we can just easily beat you and Rapids fans can see every single game that they've been seeing for the last two and a half, three years at this point. So that's what has me concerned about this Nashville game. But yeah, the the health of what's going on with Nashville is a really good question. I'm really curious to see, Mark, given what didn't happen well from an ethos standpoint and from a principle standpoint for the Rapids on Saturday, what we see from a lineup change standpoint, because, well, you know, Moist had a few mistakes that led to a goal. Do we see a change there? I'm really curious, given what Chris Armas said in the postgame availability about Ollie getting minutes and everything. I, I think this is a game perfectly for Jasper Loffelson, Mark, like the, like, you know, you want another six, you want somebody who can come out and you want somebody who's bringing their own knife to a knife fight. And that is Jasper in ways that it is not Ollie the Raws. And I think that then frees up Connor Ronan to then do what he's best at, which he wasn't able to do or wasn't willing to do because of how Connor reacted to different situations in the sequences that led to goals on Saturday. And then I, I don't know how you can, I don't, I don't think you can drop Calvin Harris mark on the right wing, even though I'm back on J Lou Island. And I think inevitably that is going to be Omer Fernandez's spot, given the relationship that he and Chris Armas have going back to the Red Bulls. But you know, Harris scored a goal. Yes. He could have picked up, Eric Williamson on the first goal as well, but he wasn't the worst player on the field and he was really good from a mobility standpoint and he scored. And I think the only other attacker mark you could say had a better game was Cole Bassett, who was doing stuff for himself and doing stuff for others. So I think Calvin Harris stays there. I don't think there's any other significant lineup changes for me. I know a lot of Rapids fans who were dunking on Keegan Rosenberry want to see Sebastian Anderson get in on that. I think we're I, I think we're way too early on in the season to see the Rapids immediately drop their captain right now. But I think Lawless or one of the other center backs in for Moist is certainly a possibility. I would have not that, you know, if I was Chris Armas, I'd have open competition for all of the sixes for who's going to play with Connor Ronan. And unless something happens, you know, Calvin Harris falls off a cliff or picks up an injury between now and the last session on Friday. I think he's starting and it's Jonathan Lewis coming on for him on on the Saturday, because I, I think Calvin's better in possession. I think Johnny will work if the game gets stretched in the second half and you just want somebody who's going to yeah. be very direct. And I think that was the plan for Lewis on Saturday. In any case, it just so happened that the plan was they like the, oh, we're not actually making this up for you to go affect the game until it's until we're three goals down. So, yeah, um, um, I'll just add. Uh, so Nashville. So first of all, Mocha FC is a team in the Dominican Republic. In order to get into CONCACAF as the champions of the Dominican League, they had to play a, a two-legged playoff to get into CONCACAF Champions Cup against a team from Suriname named Robin Hood, which is pretty rad. And also your occasional reminder that there are three little tiny countries at the top of South America that are actually in CONCACAF. Uh, is Guyana, that one of the ones that we also got the we got the random download from, Mark? I think so. Suriname? Yeah. No, no, Suriname. there's another. I'll, French, I'll look this. French Guiana and Guyana are the other three. So um, I believe that's right. Um, anyhow, but that Curacao, we may have had a download in Curacao, which is 
a sovereign country that is also under the auspices of the Netherlands. Okay, um, but back to Nashville. So th- in that game last week in CONCACAF Champions Cup, um, they did start Anibal Godoy. They did start uh, Hani Mukhtar. Mukhtar came off in the 35th with that hip injury. Um, they also started uh, striker Sam Surridge, who was a 25-year-old um, Brit, uh, who's, uh, I think, their first-choice striker. Um, and he's listed right now as having a shoulder injury. Um, they're playing tomorrow against Mocha, and they're up 3-0. Uh, and they played that first game away in the Dominican Republic. So they're playing at home, uh, up three goals. I'm guessing that they're going to heavily rotate their squad and bring whoever's healthy um, from the first team to play against the Rapids. Their first choice match this week is going to be uh, to play the Rapids at full strength. So uh, that's not ideal, um, but you know maybe they're banged up and maybe they're maybe we can confuse them. And then there's also that altitude thing that we occasionally take advantage of. So. We'll see. I mean, I, if I were to make a prediction about this game, I'm going to make the same prediction I made last week. Maybe I'll be right this week. By the way, I apologize to all of you who put money on the game last week based on my comment. Um, I said take the under on uh, two and a half goals. I, By the way, I put my money where my mouth was. I, I, I have a little bit of fun money uh, on, on uh, a betting app that is not paying us to advertise them, and therefore I will not say their name. Um, I put 10 bucks on the under. I lost that 10 bucks. Don't listen to me, but uh, I expect this game to go to be a either a, yeah, let's say 1-1. The Rapids are going to get a 1-1 draw out of this one. Um, they're going to receive the message from Chris Armis, defend, defend the castle, defend the house, and try and nick the goal on the easy turnover from high pressure. Matt? Mark, I have to bleep that profanity, and you immediately had the opportunity to say defend the dick right there, and you chose not to do it, and I'm disappointed <laughs> in you as a friend. Oh, the, no. uh, the Caribbean island download that we got, Mark, was Bonaire, which is also known as the Dutch Caribbean, and we actually got an email from Michelle, oh, yeah. who was there last August, who got our download there. So shout out to Michelle, absolute legend. Uh, we would love to hear from all of our HTHLers who are listening to us far and wide. Where in the world are our highliners? We want to get, I, I have a goal, Mark, in the lifetime of this podcast, I want to download at every from every single country that is a member of FIFA before we call it quits and retire at the age of like 74. But so, yeah, I, I, I think you said it all really well, Rabbi, on what we're looking at for Nashville. I have no idea what to expect from this game, partially because of the injuries from Nashville standpoint, partially because I have no idea, you know, the... Uh, we said it a couple weeks ago that preseason doesn't matter until it does. And so was all of that preseason hype. Was it false hope or was Portland just the one off? And now they're fixing some of those issues. And we're going to get a really good data point on that on Saturday. But I don't know which way, which end of the spectrum that data point is going to come on. So I don't even feel comfortable giving a prediction on this. Other thing that I'll say, Mark, is the clubs put out a bunch of information on what to expect from the home opener and what that looks like and everything. There's going to be a big thing planned for Joan Dabrinsky. So I would encourage you to be in your seat if you are interested in that. Certainly before the time of the scheduled kickoff. I don't know if something will be happening at halftime as well. But the club is going to be doing right by one of their most ardent supporters and best members of their community. I hope they record it so I get to see it since I I knew Joan and I, I, I miss her and... I won't, I obviously won't be able to see that. So 
I'm sure there will be stuff going on out there, Mark. And uh, John Babiak will be out there on the field to take photos. Um, and he will have a great piece up on burgundywave.com that you can check out. But listeners, I want to throw it now to a conversation I had last Thursday with Urban Pitch, their uh, really good supporters culture podcast to kind of talk about the match day experience rather than what's going on on the field. And they wanted me to come on to talk about what experiences are like as it relates to the Colorado Rapids game day. That will be a, it's a really good um, uh, palate, not palate cleanser, but it's, it's a really good, um, uh, it'll set the appetite for the season opener for those of you who are new to the club and want to know what's interested about that. And obviously, you know, for any away supporters, any Nashville fans who are listening to this as well, who don't already know about the tailgate and the supporters bus and the Celtic and green chili, uh, this is an opportunity for you to hear all about that. So follow us on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard at rapids nine, six podcast. Email us, rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Rate, review, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. Listeners, we will see you next week. Here now is my guest appearance on Urban Pitch. Peace! I think this might be our first joint podcast collaboration where it's going to live on both feeds. So we're we're really excited about that. But Matt, really uh, appreciate you taking the time. This is an amazing podcast connect. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to start branching out and talking to more of the the footy sickos at uh, (laughs) Believe.com. And uh, happy MLS is back. I could not think of a better way to start the season than Lionel Messi getting points for my fantasy team in disrespecting Real Salt Lake. <laughs> let's go, let's go. That let's little go. chip over the injured player is oh my highlight of the night. I wish he would have scored. So that. disrespectful. <laughs> it's the most it's the most disrespectful thing that anybody's done in MLS since Don Garber or Don Garber since uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Well, I mean Don Garber too. Like yeah. I mean, depending on how you look at things, like that no, might be. No, uh, Messi last year he he had like a step over against Kellen Lacasta, and and it was like a little bit disrespectful because it was already a foul called. And like Kellen was trying to defend, he's like, dude, like relax, the ball's over there. So yeah, it was Messi's been doing his thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so holding the high line, um, uh, Colorado Rapids focused podcast. You can tell. I mean, I brought out the the Rapids kit that we got uh, last year. Shout out to Emilio uh, who sent this over. Shout to out us from, to from Legend. Um, but I see you're you're wearing the the, the new Rapids kit as well. Um, I don't want to get into the, the like, the, the, because obviously the Rapids made a big, yeah, yeah, show it off, show it off for the cam. Um, obviously the Rapids made a big, um, oh, he got the, he, he has the, uh, for, for the listeners, he, he just showed off, he, he's got it personalized in the back with his number as well. Um, so big flex there. Um, but obviously the, the Rapids had a big off season with a, with a bunch of signings. You guys talked about that in your last episode. So, so uh, for, for our listeners, make sure to go check that out. Their last episode, 11 questions to define the, the Rapids season. Uh, I think you guys did a really good job of, of asking the right questions um, and, and, and talking about the season. But uh, for, uh, we, we like to handle things off the pitch. Like we, we're all about the culture off the pitch, you know, the, the fan experience. So we're, we're going to get into that. But how can first, we tailgate with you guys? Yeah, exactly. But, but first, what are your thoughts on, on the new kit? Because I think um, for, for uh, at least from my opinion, mixed reviews. Um, the, the Rapids have, I, I mean, I love this shirt. I think yours is, is the, the home kit is great. So what, what are your thoughts? What is your take on, on the, the new Rapids kit? <clears throat> Yeah, no, um, I'd like it. I wouldn't say that it's the best that's out there and everything. I think once I got over the fact that Seattle slightly changed their tones, like their 
blue and the green is really, really nice. Um, the Dallas one is absolutely tripping. Every single time I look at that one, I just yeah. immediately get a migraine. <laughs> but the if I had one complaint about the Rapid shirt, it would be nice given the two shades of burgundy for the contrast to be a little bit more there. So the, the darker of the checkerboards can stay, but if the lighter one could have been a little bit lighter, if they wanted to go full crazy, they could have done a burgundy and blue checkerboard. So I do think some of the photos that they've had out there don't necessarily show that accurately. The first really good close-up we got was actually from a player from the Nuggets who actually wore it in like the player's tunnel and the lighting was really terrible. So I would say it's a kit that's, I, I realize, I feel like I'm in a good crowd for talking about like kit fashion and everything. Yeah. I'm a big believer of, I want to see it in person up close before I judge it. And this is definitely a kit that is better in person and up close than it will be from the wide shot on TV or from the marketing stuff that's come out there. The thing that I really love about it, I think the Rapids have done a really good job their last three kit launches of having an initiative behind it that really speaks to the community and tries to harness that. That's something they haven't done a good job of at times in the past as well. And so to make a big deal about youth sports and having that be an initiative and be really welcoming, especially given that that is continues to be an issue and it's become really an issue in the front range outside of the Rapids youth setup as well, that they're going to try and fill in some of the gaps that there and the accessibility to the sport. Um, I think that's a really big deal for me. Obviously, the kit that you're wearing right now. Ramsey is the is the mental health kit, the New Day kit as well. So I, I could, if the message behind it and the initiatives that come with the shirt were a 10 out of 10, but it was a plain burgundy shirt that just had the Rapids kit and nothing fun about it, I would be as excited about it as I would be an absolutely the best kit of the year for MLS that had no social community component as well. So I'll give it a solid 8 out of 10 for me. To be completely honest, uh, Colorado is one, like, one of my favorite kits that have came out just because of the checkerboard. Uh, I love the burgundy, uh, baby blue contrast. So one of my one, is one of my favorite kids. Um, there's been a lot of kids I've given out. First of all, Seattle. Yeah. They they are in a whole league of their own right now with their kid, but I honestly enjoy this kid as well. You have two two of the best kids in MLS right now. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, going to your point about you know the the message behind the jerseys, and I think that's something that. Um, MLS um, uh, design, like kit design is starting to do a little bit more of as they're, you know, implementing some kind of storytelling. And, you know, it works and doesn't work to a certain extent, but um, when, when you have a certain message behind the kit, you know, it, it can uh, sometimes go beyond the actual design of, of, of the kit itself. So you want to be exist in a place that has kind of both, um, but, you know, you, 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 there's the give and take to it. So I think that's a, that's a smart point. Uh, to, to, take, to take into it. But I mean, I think, and we talked about this earlier in the episode, but like, you know, the, the overall um, uh, MLS uh, kit design, I feel like has just really stepped up in the last few years. I think there was a period of time where, you know, it just seemed like we were getting the same kit across all, you know, whatever, 20 years. And, and I like to thank Ramsey for this because he, he gave him hell last year for the kit releases. He like oh same template. Hate it wasn't last year. It wasn't last year. It was a it was, it was a few years back where you know it, it just felt like there was a very heavy template. And I understand templates. Templates is not a, like essentially a bad thing. Like in itself, like it's necessary, right? When you have especially so many jerseys and you know MLS is at the level that it's at. Um, but I feel like they've definitely taken a step up in terms of you know making sure each kit each team has a kit that has some kind of design element that they could talk about. And, and you know, it, it works and doesn't work to, to, to an extent, but I'd rather have at least an effort. And I, I think they're definitely putting that effort in. 
No, absolutely. I spoke to a source within Colorado who's kind of responsible for this initiative and a few other things within the club. And they said really after the after I think the 2020 season was what you were referring to, Ramsey, yeah. where like every single team just had like the, the same three Adidas stripes and everything. They were all labeled the community kit. And it's like right, the OK, right, right. like we're, we're not going to sit here and drink the Kool-Aid and have you try to feed how this means something. And there's something profound behind the design when literally every single other MLS team has the exact same shirt just with their numbers and so Adidas has just taken the shackles off with that and the teams have way more control about submitting design ideas and initiatives behind it and I think that's allowed each club to then tell a story that's unique to them to where you get the the freaking the angry Orca FC on the jock yeah. tag for Seattle as well and you know you get the contrast the shades the outdoorsy one for Charlotte FC and just the straight up weed plants that you get for the Portland secondary <laughs> kid as well so hey, i think I'm, those are uh, i think those are pine trees those i think those are pine, pine trees, trees. Yeah. pine trees okay. either way i like it i i, I live in colorado either way right, I'm here right, for right, it. Right, right. whatever the tree it is i'm a big hiker and everything but yeah so like the you know there's the opportunity for that and so i i think that's a that, that's a step in the right direction for mls from a fashion standpoint and from a fan engagement and community standpoint first of all i think colorado should have the pine trees as well because i've been to colorado before and like Pro pine tree <laughs> community. Uh, pro pro tree and pro flower, whatever. You know, whatever they're, they're you all about the it. herbal, um, you know, supplements and, and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, talking about Colorado, because we, we've been trying to figure out our MLS Away Days um, schedule for this year. That's something that we've, you know, really tried to to implement. And Colorado, I mean, we mentioned this off, off camera, but Colorado is, a, is something that we've had cir circled. Um, and I've had mixed reviews about it. It's like, oh, it's too far away from Denver. Uh, it's like there, there's all these all these uh, bad bad uh, comments that I've been getting from other people that have came out. But I know I, just visiting the city. I, my old, I, I told you off camera. My oldest brother lives out there, and when I went, it was like anywhere I went, it was beautiful. So uh, we do want to talk more about how, how is it. Yeah, talk about the fan the fan experience at a at a Rapids game before, during, after. What 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 what's that like? Because I feel like getting different perspectives from from uh, MLS fans across the country. So like, where can you go eat? Super... Where can you go get have a drink? All that great stuff. Yeah, I think it gets it gets a really bad rap. I think it's really easy for someone who's used to going to their home stadium and then going to one of the two or three local geographic rivals that they have. You know, let's take an Atlanta United fan who's been to Charlotte. Maybe they've been to one of the Florida teams as well. Maybe they're going to Nashville this year or something like that. For them to just, you know, come home after the Atlanta game, put on MLS season pass, see that the Rapids are playing and see that the stadium's two thirds full and that they can pre they can easily tell which section is each letter in Colorado on the main wide shot that you have of the East End and everything. And that's just a massive oversimplification of the experience. And in particular for me, the pregame experience as well. So to your point about thinking about how it's easy for a lot of foreign fans or a lot of fans from outside the market to just look at Commerce City on a map, see where the stadium is, and then basically equate the Rapids to Sporting Kansas City being out there by the racetrack, not actually in Kansas City, the market, and not understanding that there's 
a train that's 10 bucks that is 37 minutes from the airport so if you don't want to if you don't want to uber and you don't want to rent a car as well it's easy to do it is very easy for you to do a rapids away day and not need a vehicle at all and then not have your transportation be expensive if you just want to focus on being in around downtown or one of the nearby neighborhoods the deal that you have with c38 centennial 38 the supporters group and their round trip bus option that they have which you can bring beer on to and then the tailgate as well which starts two three hours before the game that is one of the best kept secrets for like eastern conference fans that don't think about these sorts of you know these sorts of away days or don't know about them and it's a relatively welcoming community even for away fans as long as you're not like rsl seattle or the right. galaxy for the most part like we don't have beef with you like you can have one of our cans of craft beer you know that's aged goat milk or something <laughs> on the you know in the bar and it's relatively inexpensive um I, I haven't spoken to the c38 president i'll see him at the um at the season kickoff party next week but if you want alcohol it's like 12 15 bucks for all you can eat all you can drink for the tailgate and it's seven or eight dollars if you're not drinking any alcohol and then we're talking hot dogs there's pizza we've got mini donuts as well like the scran game at the tailgate is absolutely fantastic and people don't necessarily think about that or they just look at the bars around commerce city and they see that there's one super sketchy one that looks like a crack house from the outside <laughs> across the street and then there's basically nothing so it's just go back to downtown in terms of downtown recommendations I would make, if you are looking to watch the, if you're looking to watch a European game or a Premier League game beforehand, uh, it's 8 p.m. local time kickoff for most of those games as well. I would recommend either the British Bulldog, which is where American Outlaws Denver is based, or the Celtic on Market, which is basically the C38 pregame bar. And then from C38, and there's a few other locations that they'll do the away day bus as well. And that creates more of an atmosphere. I feel like the the English and the Europeans have a really great experience of like the getting on the local public transit to actually go to the game. And I feel genuinely that you get that with the bus setup in ways that I don't think you get for most MLS markets. I mean, you guys tell me, I know I've seen that there is a train that stops off for LAFC as well, but maybe you have that for NYCFC. Maybe you have that for Chicago fire now that they're at soldier field. So there's a sense of atmosphere and buildup between let me go to the bar beforehand, get some lunch. Let me get on the bus with a bunch of the sickos and then let me tailgate beforehand and then go into the stadium. And that's before we even get to C38, which pound for pound still has a really great atmosphere. The difference is there's 300 of them as opposed to like three or 4,000 members of the Timbers Army. Yeah, I mean, uh, th that's about as good of a sell job as I think that um, anyone could make because, I mean, I'm honestly, sold. I looked at, I looked at Julio when you said, uh, uh, what was it, $12 for all you can eat, all you can drink? I mean, that that's that's all you got to say. Wait, um, wait, all right, so so my brother lives in Bennett. Um, how, how can I get to the stadium from there? That's, not, that's about that. That's, that's my next on, no, I'm no. already thinking about doing a trip yeah, over no. there right now. I'm sold. Uh, I'm you can, sold. How about, how about you, send, you send those directions over to us afterwards. <laughs> we don't have to do this um, on air. But I think that the public transportation is a huge, it's amazing. huge part of it because, um, I mean, here in L.A., like, there is the, the, the metro stop right by uh, BMO Stadium. Um, it's still about a. Uh, I, I used to take it from Santa Monica. Yeah. Uh, when I when I used to live on Santa Monica, I used to take the train, and of course you still like this sign says you can't drink. People do do it, but it's it, it, it's, it's. They not. do a lot more than that on the LA Metro. Um, <laughs> but but I mean, depending on where you're coming from, it it, it is pretty accessible uh, via public transport. Um, 
Uh, I will say that some certain lines on the LA Metro are like sketchy. Just like like before COVID, you could take you could take them like, and it was a pretty you know reasonable experience. Like you you'd run into you know the stuff that you'd think you'd run into on public transport, but now it's like post twenty twenty, it's just been like a lot. It's it's really dystopian in in this in the subways in in, in LA, and, and I know LA is not known for its public transport, obviously we have a huge, massive car culture here. And, you know, I mean, even in the El Trafico uh, Derby uh, nickname, like you get that. Um, and so I think having a place where you can get to accessibly for cheap, you can, there's a sense of community there where you're, you're riding with people that are, that have the, 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 the jerseys, that have the scarves that are, you know, maybe doing chance, I don't know what, but um, I think that is a super unique experience that you don't necessarily see if you're just watching a game on season pass, if you're watching a Rapids game where you're seeing, you know, because I mean, the, 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 the numbers by themselves don't tell the full story. Yes. Absolutely. And I will say that the community, again, is super well, like Colorado people are just, we're, we're almost Midwestern nice. As long as, again, you don't say anything bad about the Denver Broncos and you're not a Kansas City, an RSL, a, a Seattle or an LA Galaxy fan. And so the thing is then, so again, bunch of stuff you can do downtown in between going to one of the soccer bars and then actually getting lunch at the Celtic and then going over for the bus. Again, the tailgate lasts as long as the game itself. And by that point, you've made friends, either with a local or if you're showing up for an away day, you've made friends with the other away fans that are there. Like, again, open arms in terms of if you just want to come have beer and talk about soccer and everything. You know, I went to school in St. Louis. I have a Luligan scarf. I ended up wearing that when St. Louis FC came by, or excuse me, St. Louis City came by as I'm in a bunch of friends from with people who were from St. Louis and they asked like what neighborhood that I lived in and how where I was uh what time I went to watch you and everything like it's just a bunch of super friendly people so then you meet enough people to where then you have people to go out with after the game depending on if you do want to go back to downtown or to somebody's house or something like there's a full game day experience that can be had that is fun that is worthwhile going to socially even when the Rapids are the worst team in the Western Conference right. Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out to Washington uh, University. That's a that's a that's a top tier uh, uh, education in institute there. I'm a nerd, guys. Yeah. I'm just also a sicko and creative. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, they 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 Division three athletics. They have a really good athletic program as well. So I played I played Division three baseball. So we, I know uh, they had a, a, a pretty good baseball team as well. But um, yeah, I mean the the community aspect. I think of of. Soccer, sold. regardless of where yeah. you're at, because I mean, a lot of those aspects of the tailgates, um, just meeting people, having conversations, like you can get that in LA as well. And that's something that I feel like, um, from me personally, I didn't grow up in soccer. I didn't grow up playing. I wasn't a gigantic fan until I started really um, post-college writing at Urban Pitch and, and, and becoming a full-fledged sicko. Um, and having conversations with people at the, at you know, Galaxy tailgates, LAFC tailgates, um, just the the overall camaraderie and, and atmosphere at those games to me is what makes that that's what drew me into the game for the most like the the most is how just how um, you know there's like I mean like I say this all the time but like the, the culture around soccer is is completely unique to any other sport. And um, I think you don't really get that going to, I mean, there's, there's tailgates for uh, NFL games for, um, you know, um, for not really basketball or, or football, but, or uh, sorry, basketball or baseball, but 
you don't really get that. Um, there's like a, a sense of community, I feel like, that, that comes with soccer fandom, regardless if you are a fan. Unless, it, like you said, like, I mean, if you're an LA Galaxy fan at LAFC tailgate, maybe things aren't going to go as well for you. But uh, and I, I know. And, and he knows, he knows uh, the, the, the reverse way at a LA Galaxy tailgate. He was not welcomed with, with uh, um, you know, open arms. But for the most part, you're going you're gonna to get a, a pretty open and welcoming community. Yeah, no, 100%. And like the, I don't know if we want to talk about this specifically, but you know, the fan experience and the relationship with the club and ownership with how bad the season was last year was so bad. I know a bunch of season ticket holders who were out on maintaining their tickets who renewed their season tickets because they were like, I've got so many friendships. I'm best friends with the person who I met seven years ago who just happened to be the season ticket holder in the row, two section, you know, two seats over from me. I know people who, despite the club having the worst year that it's had, and we can now say this with hindsight, it's easy because of how good the offseason has been, who chose to renew the tickets and then bite the bullet financially despite being down on the team for the purpose of maintaining the sense of community that they have around that. And again, I will say that's extremely close within that and it is extremely welcoming to away fans provided you're not one of five shirts as well so i mean you show up with a kellen acosta lafc shirt and everything you are our people right yeah. we love him as well here yeah yeah we've we had him Ke on the pod and he's yeah, such he, an amazing human being just, just uh, i mean wish him all the best in, in, in chicago i mean and, and he had a great run in, in colorado as well um just and and i i like i feel like that's also something like super unique like where players you know there's a lot of mobility between teams and um you know rocking a lafc kit to a rapids game might seem out of place but then you see the name on the back it's like okay that makes sense you know um but but yeah we we've had a couple of uh, rapids players on um as guests on the pod uh, keegan rosenberry jonathan lewis um um both talking to them about you know their experience with with the club and um you know uh, Obviously, the, the, the team on the pitch isn't necessarily where it's, it wants to be, but I feel like they had that same kind of uh, resonance with the fans and the community and, and, and all that. And I feel like, you know, it's not obviously one of the, the, the teams that, that first comes to mind when you think of MLS, like fan experiences, but from their testimonials, from your testimonial, I feel like that's definitely an underrated and can kind of sneaky, uh, really cool away days trip to, to, to make. It's a small of enough fan base and still, you know, a suburban based stadium and to a certain extent, a suburban based fan base and community to where it still has this family atmosphere that you would relate to, say, like the lower divisions in England that aren't in one of the major metropolises or, you know, a, a neighborhood club, if you will. And it's still maintained that it had that back in 1996 if you ask me but no like the i you don't have to be a member of the media or on the board for c38 or mile high locos in order for you to just walk up to marcella baboa and start having a conversation with him and have a genuine relationship with him when steven betasher came over from lasc and joined the colorado rapids and everything like I, I know number of anecdotal stories where he met a fan at a fan event or after a um, or, you know, or after a game or whatever, that fan then followed him on Twitter and like he followed them back and then would like interact with them. Dominic Baji, who was not a great player for the Rapids, but absolutely beloved, like randomly when he got traded to FC Dallas, this would have been like 2017, 2018, he went and Facebook friended a bunch of friends who he like wow. knew by name. And then when 
one of the writers for Burgundy Wave, uh, the former SB Nation site, which I'm now the managing editor of, posted about getting accepted to Oregon State, which was his number one school. He's a big environmental guy. Dominic Bocci liked that post. With all due respect to what LASG has done on the yeah. field and everything, yeah. find me an example of Carlos Vela or Dennis <laughs> Bawanga yeah. doing that for a Rapids fan. And so it has that community. And again, to say nothing of the fact that everybody has like the, they've got their work, they've got what they do with the Rapids, and then they've got the other social or outdoor activity thing that they do with the Rapids. I'm going skiing with a friend, um, to Keystone, one of the mountain resorts here in Colorado, who is someone who I met through the Rapids as well. So again, to the away fan who is interested, who wants a Colorado person to like be their Sherpa or make recommendations on hikes or drives or a place they can go to in Essex Park for Rocky Mountain National Park, or is like the, if, if an LASC fan, uh, LASC is a bad example because ski season will have ended, but like I, I know multiple examples of like, random Austin fan wanting to do a spring break trip, Austin FC's in town, you know, and then tags a bunch of the Rapids blogs or Rapids sickos on Twitter and everything. Hey, I'm looking to go skiing, like any recommendations and like, we will help you out. So as much as we're open from a soccer standpoint, we're also open of, we have a really beautiful state and we're open to sharing it with people who just want to make that initial, who, who want to show up and, um, and provide the olive branch. And that olive branch absolutely can be showing up in an LAFC jersey that says Kellen Acosta. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll be coming out there. Um, I'm you know, definitely going yeah, out. We're, we're sold. You, you've done, you've done, uh, um, you know, massive, uh, <laughs> a massive job of, of, of selling the, the whole away day experience. And because we're trying to circle off, uh, you know, a handful of, 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 of away day matches, whether it's, uh, I mean, you know, Bridget and Julio, Bridget's not here, but uh, big LAFC fans. I'm a habitual fence sitter, coward, whatever you want to call me, but um, he's good for business. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's good for but, business. But what about what about you? You and Mark coming to LA? Is that is that a, something that's um, a possible a possibility the either is this year or, or, or in, the, in the next few years? Uh, probably not this season. Rabbi has been to an LAFC game. I've been to an LA Galaxy game. Ironically, like we, we've talked about, uh, like, do we show up to, if we should go there for El Trafico, if we were to somehow get tickets, like which stadium do we end up taking? Not saying, of course, that I'm distinctly LA Galaxy and he's LAFC, or that we even care about that rivalry other than just watching the chaos that unfolds that is El Trafico. But um, I've already booked, um, I'm working with uh, Emilio, who's going to try and get me credentials for inner miami because i've never seen messy live so i'm looking at that rsl is always a big one but no we've we've talked about doing a bunch of away days we've done away days separately we've never done one together and certainly la would be a super easy one if we plan it a couple months in advance and if the weather's nice uh you know maybe that you know july might be a little bit hot for us given where we are in colorado used to the dry heat and everything but you know like the but by the time it starts to get cold in september october you know los angeles would sound nice and we book it a few months in advance i'm going to assume you know a, a round trip flight from dia to burbank won't be that expensive yeah yeah um i think they they in uh they include like the clause that the denver uh airport's haunted so they they always dock a few uh dollars from the, the airfare so i think yeah. i think it, it ends up working out but uh yeah yeah dude anytime anytime you're in la for sure uh let us know and, and we'd love to show you around um maybe um avoid some 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 of the fights that that go on especially with this guy <laughs> uh, uh starting stuff in uh, la galaxy tailgates i'm and, all agreed hey uh, honestly i i'm gonna be at the inter miami galaxy game as well yeah. um 
of course, in the media section, I'm not going to be with the people. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no violence at the, we, we do not, yeah, don't, don't come with smoke to the, to the C-38 tailgate. Not at all. Clear. But so for the, for the holding the highliners who are listening to this on our feed and everything, like give them a recommendation, like what's a, what's a good taco spot or like what's something else that like they could look at that's not just like going to the beach or, um, you know, or uh, going to like Santa Monica Pier or something. Don't right. go to Santa Monica Pier. Don't, not go, uh, don't go to Overrated. Yeah. Overrated. Um, great taco spot, King Tacos. Uh, they've been known for, for years. Great spot. But if you, go, if you go to BMO to go watch a game, there's a place literally three blocks away, Chuperia, has great food, has great micheladas, has great drinks. Um, they do not still serve hard alcohol, but you can bring the shooters in your pockets and they will not know. Um, <laughs> Hey, man, he's making it hot on the podcast. Come on, you can't say that on the... Like, that's something you say off air, you know? Like... <laughs> if they watch, I'm sorry. I'm just giving the guys tips. <laughs> Colorado people are my people as well. It's at sea level. We'll be able to drink more. And who's right. to say Definitely. we haven't figured out how to sneak edibles out of DIA sure, as well? Sure, sure, Boom. sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, but Chupadilla, I mean, atmosphere-wise... Uh, before, during, after the match, um, it's, it's it's a vibe, right? It's it, it's for sure the vibe. Um, uh, people go, you know, pregame there. They go postgame there, and then you know sometimes they even watch the game there if they if they can't even uh, make it to the stadium. Um, yeah, taco. I mean, tacos are, are you can find good tacos anywhere. I mean, like King Taco is like the historically the you know the taco spot. There's, there's a bunch of different locations across LA, so um, you know you'll be able to find. Um, Just a, drive around if you see anybody with lights and parked in the street. Right. Uh, the street tacos are probably we are known for the street tacos. So little dirt in people's fingers. It's, it's, it's flavor. It's flavor. Yeah, the yeah. better tasting they are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and then at the tailgates, too, they'll have, I mean, depending on where you go, they'll have food at the tailgates. If you make friends with people, like, um, we went, so the one of the first, uh, when we first started the podcast, after, I think it was after, actually, our first episode back in 2022, we went to, uh, was it LA Galaxy, LAFC? It was LA Galaxy. It was, like, early on in the season, maybe, LA like, Galaxy. April, like, an April match between LA Galaxy, LAFC at uh, Dignity Health in Carson. And we were doing, like, fan interviews at the tailgates. And number one, like, we, like, he knew people that, that, that do it, like, you know, they have Classe Azul bottles, they got uh, tomahawk steaks, they got ribeyes, like, they're, they're, they're doing, like, doing it big. And so we were, we, were, we were able to get that experience, but then, you know, some fans recognized him because he might have said a couple of comments that were then aggregated into a fan, um, like a, a fan community on Facebook. And then, you know, things started to escalate and I we, had to, viral. Get, we <laughs> had to get out of there. He was, he was viral amongst a certain amount of uh, the LA Galaxy fans. fans. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but no I, such thing as bad publicity. Ex yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I, yeah. I'll, I'll say this. So um, if you want a great in-home, in-stadium experience, LAC is a place to go. If you love to have a great tailgate, LA Galaxy is a place to go. They, they know how to tailgate right, and they have the space. Yeah. So, um, like you said, at LA Galaxy game, we were having Tomahawk, Class Azul shots. Um, LAC has the Chuperia. It's probably the only one. Tree Lane is not as good. Um, it's not as big, so there's not a lot, a lot of things to do. But um, depends on what you want to come for. If you want to go for a great in-stadium in experience, LASC is your spot. If you want to... Uh, Tell a tailgate, um, LA Galaxy your spot. So it depends on what you want to do. Yeah. We have we have a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. 
you guys come to Colorado and you find Colorado Mexican food, you got to get it with the green chili, a smothered burrito with green Oof. chili. That is our that is our specialty. If you're getting Mexican food in Denver, that's what you're getting. All right. Well, uh, we'll look forward to that because I'm I'm now pumped. I'm pumped. I have the I have the jersey and now I got somewhere to, to wear it. So we're going to go. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep in touch with you. But uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, well, I, I know I know you're, you're you got busy. You got things to do. And, and I don't want to keep you any any longer. But holding the high line for for our listeners, uh, Matt Pollard, uh, uh, Mark Goldman, a.k.a. Rabbi in the Red, uh, do do great stuff. And they're their family here on the Believe Network. So uh, go go support them. Go. Uh, we'll, we'll link all their um, uh, socials and and, and uh, everything like that in the in the description and the, in the show notes. Um, so so be sure to check them out because they do they do some great stuff. And this is not the last time y'all gonna see us together. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll we'll, we'll link up in the future. Um, and um, yes. For sure.